0: Our preacher for this morning, Nita Hansen. I want to just mention that I personally find needed to be an inspiration. At a time when most people are thinking about retirement, Nita heard the call of God to go very far off in distant place and to engage in ministry. And she's been working there in Ukraine for 27 years. Amazing. And then when the bombs began to fly and the war broke out, Nita didn't say, well, I better pack it in. It's a little too dangerous here. No, she couldn't wait to get back. And she's careful, of course, but I just think her courage, again, is inspiring, and I just welcome every time that Nita can come and to bring our message and to speak with us. Nita's scripture for this morning that I'm going to be reading is Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 7, and it says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This is the word of the Lord for us, the people of the Lord. Amen. Good
1: morning. You know, there's a lot of places I go and speak when I'm home, and some of them I feel like a guest, and some of them I feel like I'm home. And this is one that feels like home to me. So this morning I'm going to share the simplicity of my faith and some of these stories uh, you've probably heard before, but you're going to hear him again in a little more detail. It wasn't 28 years ago I was sitting in a pew somewhere toward the back, and I had said, I do not do mission, and don't ever tell the Lord you don't do something, because he has a wonderful sense of humor. And as I said earlier, I've been in Ukraine 27 years now. So I can't remember a time in my life when I did not believe in God. But I lived my own way because I never could understand that I could have a personal relationship with Jesus and walk with him through my life. And living my own way didn't uh, really go too well. And in September of 1990, I finally reached the end of myself and I surrendered my life to Jesus. And when I did that, I surrendered everything, which is, Lord, whatever you want, wherever you want, however you want, I want What you want. So I say yes to you. Everything changed in my life. It was like God just turned my world upside down, and I think He just put me on fast forward because He had in mind to send me over to Ukraine. And I quickly joined the prayer ministry, and then I got involved in the Stevens ministry. And then somebody talked me into going to the Philippines in July of 1995. And that's where God broke my heart. I came back and I knew. I could never be the same person again. And several months later in October 95, I went to Ukraine. And I think I knew almost from the moment I first stepped in that country that I had to come back. And there was a year long program that I could go back. And so I said, I can do one year, one year and then, then I'm coming home. So I just wanna, before I get into that, I wanna share just a few of my basic beliefs that I base my life on. I believe God is who he says he is. I believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. Now God isn't a part of my life. He is my life. And I believe I was created for a specific purpose, as we all are. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper and not to harm, plans for hope and a future, Jeremiah 29, 11. And so I... I live my life with complete and utter trust in him. You see, one of the greatest gifts to me is I don't know how to do what I'm doing. And I think God kind of did that on purpose because, you know, maybe I would have taken credit for some of this if I thought I made it happen, but I'm completely aware that I have made none of this happen. I have only followed in God's footsteps. The definition of trust is placing complete confidence in and reliance on, or to believe in the reliability, truth, ability, our strength of who you believe in. I have a very simple faith. The Bible tells us to be like a child when it comes to faith, so I often think of if I have a little child, and I say, you know, take my hand, we're going somewhere, they don't say where, why, how, what are you going to do? What do they do? They put their hand in mine, and we just go. And that's what God asks us. Just put your hand in mine and follow me, and I do the rest. You only have one job, and that's to say yes. I believe that if God tells me to do something, that it's his problem then. By that, I mean it's up to him to make it happen. Mine is only to follow. You see how simple this is? It's It's not complicated. And God doesn't make it hard for us to say, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. How am I going to do it? Just say yes, and then watch out. I remember before I went over uh, to become a missionary, every morning I used to pray, and I'd say, God, you know, I'm not not really one of those people that would be an evangelist, but if you want me to talk to somebody today about you, would you just open the door? And I tell you every morning, somebody would come up to me and start asking me questions. It never, never failed. God opened those doors. So when I think of Proverbs 3, 5, and and 6, I really take that at heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In other words, with everything that's in you, just trust him. Don't lean on your own understanding because you're going to get messed up every time if you do. And in everything you do, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he promises that he will direct your paths. So this is the simple way I live my life, or to paraphrase Nike, if God says it, just do it. Some of the stories I'm gonna share, like I said, you've heard before, but I'm gonna share them in a little more detail because they're kind of pivotable to God developing the kind of faith and strength that I have today. First step, God used was to get me there to the Ukraine was one step at a time, right? One step, one step, one step. And the next thing I know, I'm in Ukraine. When I went over there uh, for the for the year, I was there two months before I realized that God was already saying to me, you're gonna come back and you're gonna start a ministry to these kids you found in the orphanage and to these people that you've seen laying on the street who need help. Well, once we'd been in country for approximately three months, the organization I went over with called all of us that had gone over to Ukraine for the year together to discuss what ministry we were going to do. I got to tell you, I was so excited. My heart was just bursting over with what God said. You're going to go back, and you're going to start a ministry. And so I went to the main guy at at Navigators, and I told him with so much excitement, you know what God's saying to me? He's saying you're going you're gonna to come back and you're going to start a ministry. And he said, you don't want to do that. <laughs> well, I, I didn't expect that answer, and my heart just plummeted. And I said, why wouldn't I want to do that? And he said, well, I'm afraid that you, you'll just tear the team apart by all your own interests. I, I I would never do that. I have more Bible studies than anybody on the team. This is I'm just doing this in my spare time. So he said no, he said yes, but then he made me talk to the next guy, higher up, and I kind of got the same response. So when I went back to Biela Serkva with my team, I didn't know that they had taken the team leader aside and said, you better get this woman under control or she's gonna tear apart your team. And so we had a team meeting and at that team meeting, I was told in front of everybody, you cannot go to the orphanages. You cannot go and help these people on the street. And I'm, I'm not a person who cries easily, especially in front of other people. So I'm, I'm just holding in this gut-wrenching from deep inside pain. And by the time I got back to my flat, I cried for three days. So the first morning, I kind of started a three-day spiral downward. The first morning, I told the Lord, well, if, if I didn't hear you tell me to do this, then I, I don't think I heard you tell me to come to Ukraine. Next morning, well, if I didn't hear you tell me to come to Ukraine, I'm going home. And See, I'd made a one-year commitment, but i was ready to get my ticket and go home. Third morning, I said, Lord, if I didn't hear you tell me this, maybe I've never heard you at all. And that's when the Lord said, okay, enough of your pity party. And he flooded me with all of the wonderful things that he'd done in my life since I came to him. And so now I said, Lord, now I have a problem. You told me to do this. But these men told me no, and I'm under their authority. And if I'm under their authority and I disobey them and go ahead and do it, am I not dishonoring you too? So I have a dilemma, Lord, what do I do? So I've reached the conclusion, God, if you want me to do this, then you have to change them. And I wanna tell you that is the morning that God's Hidden Treasures was born because I literally put everything in his hands and I said, I'm gonna take the first step, which is to be obedient to the authority that you put me under and let you do the rest. And I think the rest is uh, kind of history. Uh, God did change the the team along the way. And by the end of the year, Navigators gave me all kinds of equipment to help me get started in my year when I came back. You see, I didn't have to make it happen. What do you think would have happened if I'd gone to the team and said, you don't have the right to tell me that, which they didn't, because we were encouraged to to develop some industries on your own. I could have caused some problems And I could have tried to say, God said to do this, so I'm just going to do it. And I believe very firmly there would never have been a God's hidden treasures if I did that. I think at the end of the year, I would have gone home, and that would have been it. I want to take you into just a few stories that will show you the simplicity of my faith, because I said before, I don't know how to do what I'm doing. So I was going to the orphanages, and I I met this cute little boy, just a few months old, and they swaddled the kids over there. So one morning when the nurse wasn't there, I unwrapped him. I wanted to see if he had anything wrong with him. And he was missing half of his left leg, and he just had a little fleshy appendage for the right foot. And I tried to swaddle him back up, and of course I got caught. But that little boy decided I was his. And when I came to the orphanage, if I picked up another child in his, where he could see me, he'd scream until I put the child down. So it was firmly in my heart, I wanna get help for this little boy, how? So I had no, no wisdom or knowledge what to do. So when I came home and I was talking about DEMA and somebody said, well, why don't we get a hold of Shriners Hospital? And I said, oh, sure, why don't you do that? And I'm thinking, Shriners Hospital is gonna pay any attention to us. But we did. We contacted them. My friend Sherry, who was a nurse, contacted them. We got the documents that they needed. And just like that, they said yes, that to bring him, and they were going to operate on him. They were going to give him prosthesis. So then I want to show you how every step of the way, the opposition, because Satan will always try to tell you, you didn't really hear that. You can't do that and he'll try to discourage you with very logical things. So the first thing we had to do when I came back to Ukraine was to get um, custody, temporary custody for an American, for my friend Sherry. So everybody said they're never gonna give you temporary custody. They're never gonna give custody to an American. Never, that will never, never happen. So we went to Biela Circle, we went before the government there and they said yes. Another checkpoint, so then we go to the next step. The next step was we had to get the head doctor in Ukraine for the orphanages to sign an agreement and say in writing that the Ukraine could not help this child. And I was told by everybody, this man is very arrogant. He never, never, never gonna sign a document that says Ukraine cannot help this child. So you know, all the way along, I'm riding home and asking people to pray. There's people out here who prayed for some of this. So we got Dima, we went to see the doctor in Kiev. Doctor comes out very stern looking, grabs Dima, disappears for about 45 minutes. My friend Valentina and I are praying like crazy. Let a miracle happen. He comes out and he calls us into his office and he sits there and he says, we can help this child. Oh, my heart just sunk. He said, but, I know we won't. And so I'm gonna sign your paper. Uh, So, you know, we were just flying when we went back to, I think we were just flying on wings of, of prayer all the way home. And then the last was the U.S. Embassy. Well, four years before this, an American missionary had gotten permission to take 20 kids to America for three weeks. And while he got there, he tried to bypass the whole Ukrainian adoption system and get those kids adopted. It was a big international scandal. So any taking any kids to America from Ukraine had not happened for four years. So I was told, well, number one, they're not gonna let you do this. Secondly, when you go there, you're just starting a year long process. So I went there thinking, this is just gonna be the opening salvo in trying to get a visa for Dima to come to America. So first thing, we went in on the Ukrainian side. And so the embassy guy says, why are you on the Ukrainian side? And I said, well, I have this little Ukrainian boy It explained the situation and I want to get a visa because Shriners Hospitals agreed to operate. We have temporary custody. And so he said, where's your application? And I said, oh, I have to fill out an application. You see, I don't know what I'm doing. So he hands me an application. We fill it out, and I bring it to him, and he said, that's $45. And I said, oh, I don't have any money. <laughs> Turned to Valentina; that she didn't have any money, and I said, I promise you we'll get the money. So he said, just go and come back at 4 o'clock. Now, see, still in my mind, I'm thinking, this is only the first time I'm, I'm going. So we called everybody we knew in Kiev, and we gathered $45, and we went back gave it to him, and he said, now where's where's your picture of this child for his visa? I said, oh, picture? Um, I don't have a picture. He threw his hands up. You know, he must have thought I was the biggest idiot he ever saw. (laughs) And he said, never mind, we'll just copy his his Ukrainian passport picture. And he disappeared, and he came back, and he handed me Dima's uh, passport. And I opened it up, and I said, you gave him a visa. and he's looking at me, well, that's what you came for. <laughs> and I looked at the date, and it started the next day, and I said, oh, could you change the date because we can't take him for two more months. He said, just take it and go. <laughs> if you need to extend it, you can do that in America. You see how every step of the way, who opened the doors? Who, who made, did I know what I was doing? No. So then when I got Dima to America, I was praying that somebody would fall in love with him and adopt him. So Dima was operated on at Shriners Hospital in Los Angeles. A good friend of mine uh, had a, a daughter and her husband who lived up in Portland, and she sent out a whole bunch of prayer requests for me to pray for somebody to fall in love with this child. And they called her and they said, Mom, we think it's us. And so they ended up starting the process. They adopted DEMA. And he moved up to Portland. Well, guess what? There's a Shriners Hospital in Portland. And so he just went from one hospital to the next for 18 years. He was provided prosthesis for free. I, I want to tell you where, what this boy is doing now. He's not a boy now. He's about 27 years old. He's six foot three. He had a dream to work in the American space program. Well, you know, Dima's working out of his computer at home. How's that ever going to happen? That's just not possible. Well, when he was in college, he got involved with a group, and they actually launched a couple little satellites. So here's this U- Ukrainian boy sitting at home, and he gets a message from this company in Colorado that's working in the space program, wants to interview him. And by golly, he got hired by them. He moved to Colorado. And then last year, another company recruited him for a way bigger salary, doing in the space program, still in Denver, Colorado. You see how God's hand was on this boy from the very, very, very beginning. And he used somebody like me, who didn't know what they were doing, to help it happen. Uh, Matt's gonna signal me. How much do I have, Matt? another hour (laughs) so the first next thing i want to talk about is how our wheelchair ministry started and i actually got uh, five wheelchairs uh, to bring back to ukraine and that kind of started my dream and i wanted to give wheelchairs to all these people i knew who were sitting at home in the dark and how was i going to do that well god put me in touch with an organization that provided they were willing to send the first 50 wheelchairs. And that was wonderful, but how am I gonna get them to Ukraine? And a a stewardess for United had come to see me. She'd heard me speak and she wanted to come to Ukraine for a couple of weeks and she said, when I get home, I'm gonna talk to United. And I'm thinking, oh, that's wonderful. I'm sure they'll pay attention, this big airlines to this stewardess. And by golly, in two weeks, I got a notice saying that United was willing to send them free of charge, space available and that they would send them to Germany and Lufthansa would bring them in and this was the date that they were supposed to arrive. And you know what? They came right on time. Everything just went went perfect. And when I got back to the States, I made an appointment to meet with this guy who was the head of cargo and I wanted to try and talk him into doing this again. And I'm thinking, God, I'm nobody. What? Why is he gonna do this with me again? But God didn't give me any wise words to speak. He just said, go. And I will never forget going to his office. He stood up, came over to me. He took my hand, shook it, and he said, hi, I'm Jack Palutsky. I'm the head of cargo for United, and we'd like to partner with you to do this again. And I'm just saying, God, you didn't even let me open my mouth. <laughs> so we went out to lunch, and while we were having lunch, Jack said to me, who was your contact at Lufthansa?" I said, I don't know anybody at Lufthansa." He said, well, who brought somebody contacted them because you got the wheelchairs. I said, oh, yes, they came right on time. Three times he kept asking me. I said, I don't know. And he finally, he threw his hands up and he said, well, I guess God brought them because nobody ever found out who the contact was with Unite. Isn't that awesome how God, how God works? Um, so I'm going to fast forward through the rest of this. Um, if you want to hear more, about what's going on over Ukraine during the war. Uh, if you'd like to hear a couple stories about what it's like to go into the, uh, one of the war zones and have it being bombed while you're there, uh, <laughs> I've had that experience. Um, please come and, and to our luncheon. So thank you very much. I appreciate it.